Tired of religious chatter, yet yearning to hear the echoes of heaven and a whisper from God? JNK invite you into their world of spiritual matters where there is room for you at the table. Reverbing questions and yielding answers fill the chambers of this podcast and will surely provoke your thought. Come, take a listen. Hello all, you are tuned in to BWMRadio.com and we are talking about spiritual matters today and our conversation is dealing with haters and distractors. Ooh. Mm. (laughs) Haters and distractors in spiritual matters. I am Kay. I am Jay. I am Nina. And I am Darrell. And you would think that in spiritual matters, there should be no haters. In spiritual matters, well, we know there's always going to be distractions and distractors to where we want to go with God. Absolutely. (laughs) And a lot of that comes from, and even we hate ourselves when it comes to spiritual matters. We become our own haters. We become our own distractors because we just get confused. There's (laughs) a lot of haters. That's why there's so many religions. Oh, drop the ball. Oh, yeah. And the the funny thing, like thinking, because this was definitely one I was thinking about, you know, with haters, like especially with people that are in the the religious sphere. So we think too often what ends up happening is people, Christians especially, unfortunately, end up hating the whole person, whereas we're called to, it's not about hating the person, it's about hating certain types of behavior, certain things. It's not about the whole person, if I'm making sense on that. But too often, we get, you know, all around judgmentalism, which, oh boy, Nina, here we go. (laughs) I see the look. We're getting ready to argue on this. I was just going to say, I didn't know that Christians were supposed to hate anything. Christians are supposed to hate a lot of things, Rel, but sometimes the conversation is, is what they're hating relevant well, I can't really argue because I know what Jay, Jay, you did have a point. They're supposed to hate the behaviors and not the person. And for mm-hmm. some odd reason, it becomes about the person and yeah. not what the person is doing or how the person is behaving. Because it's even like if you take religion out of it, like there are behaviors in general that we as a culture think are not healthy, that are not good for the person. It's just when you put it in religion, it becomes, I don't know, more spiritualized. It becomes... It's hard to say. And of course, then not everybody agrees on that. So spiritualization can become a distraction because of a hater hating something that is irrelevant or that may be relevant. But we want to spiritualize some things that maybe should not be spiritualized. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Give me give me more context on that. Okay, so something that should not be spiritualized do I come to church dressed in my jeans or do I come to church dressed in my Sunday finest? Okay. We want to spiritualize it by saying that you give God your best and that shows how spiritual but you are. Spiritually, right. he says, come as you are. But these are the things that make for divisions and that make for so many different religions yeah. because somebody is hating. don't have it like that? So I'm just not supposed to come to your church because I just ain't got it like that? I think you should go to the church down the street where they say anybody can come as they want to come. But here in our church, we come dressed up because it's the spiritual thing to do. Which is so funny <laughs> because, you know, they, they put such emphasis on that and yet they ignore moments in the Bible exactly that are the same thing. Anyway, what was Jesus wearing? I'm pretty sure all they had was like rags. I mean, I know they had good stuff, but Jesus wasn't rich. 
Well, you got to remember one thing they said about when they divided his clothes, that his inner garment was worth one year's wages. That's a lot of money. Ooh. That wasn't that inner garment wasn't. So, I mean, that creates a lot of debate because some is people that think, true? I don't know, it's conjecture. All we have is those that specific passage. But and people argue about that. You know, a lot of people like to think that Jesus, you know, was poor, was more of a man of the people. But then you get things like that, where it's like these little hints of like, no, oh, maybe there was more, more to it than that. And it's we don't know. It's something that you just have to kind of ponder. And like you said, Jesus is had it haters? So. Yeah, I was just thinking <laughs> is it, that like, in my is mind. Is it really like you think? Is it really relevant? Yeah, and he did have mad haters. He had mad haters from the government. He had mad haters from his own religious group. And that is why then another religious group group. formed off of Jesus's theology that you use the perfect word, conjecture, what is or what isn't reality, what is or what isn't truth. But out of it all, there still comes this conversation of haters and distractors and how things that we hate can become distractions or or provide these splinters or splits. Mm-hmm. Jesus himself had many haters because of the things that he said and the things that he was doing. And these haters come about because of things that we are doing and things that we are espousing. We have to know what it is that we are about if we are going to stand up against the haters, stand up against the distractors, because all of us feel in our own minds and in our own hearts that we have a mission. Do you think that they were jealous because Jesus was saying he came directly from God? To them, that was a sin. And that was to the Jewish custom. You don't equate yourself with God saying that you came from God and that you are God. That was blasphemy. This is a lot of contradictions because aren't we supposed to all be children of God? We are all children of God, but he was saying that he was God. Mm. And there's a difference in that conversation that I can say I'm a child of God because they all felt that they were led by this God. So they were his his servants, his children in that regard. But to say that I am God, if you see my father, you see me, then that's a, jelly? that's a whole different you, concept. You switched that. You said, if you see my father, you see me. It's the other way. If you see, see me, me right. Yeah. Sorry. If you see me, you see my father. So that's a whole totally different level of conversation. And it's funny because that kind of, I think, is what leads into some of the, I think it's new age theology about how we are all God. Yes. Which I can understand where that comes from, but I don't agree with it. Okay, I so do. let's talk about <laughs> oh, that. Do you? Because some people hate that theology while others say, well, that is the perfect theology. And see, it's in my mind, it's a difference, but it's it's a small difference. To me, it's all about we carry God within us. His, we carry his essence, especially for me, you know, coming from the theology as a believer, you know, that when we believe we have God's essence within us, but that doesn't make us the same thing as God. So, I mean, it's on the one hand, yes, we have God within us, but it's not the same thing. So it's kind of like it's a similarity, but it's not quite the same. We have the attributes of God. We have the ability Mm-hmm. to do the things that he does, but we will never be all that he is. Yeah. Now, I'm not claiming to be God in that sense, but I mean, to me, it's just like being raised in the household of when you got in them streets, you better act right because when people see you, they see me. Did your parents ever tell you how you how you act is a reflection of me? Like I tell people when they see my husband, that's me. <laughs> no. When you see him, you see me. That when was, you see me, you see him. <laughs> I don't. I don't ever remember 
my parents doing anything like that because I think I think to them that would have been putting too much pressure on me to conform who 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 made you up but at the same time it's the same concept because when you go out there as, as a Christian you're supposed to represent God does that put pressure on you or does it just give you identity as to who you are and what you're about? Let's just be simple. Genetically, who, who, who are you? <laughs> what made you genetically? Well, now that's that's getting into an interest, an even deeper level of conversation there about genetics, which I could go all you know spiritual craziness on that, but I'm not going to. But these are the things that formulate our convictions, that formulate where we stand, so that when we do have distractions or haters or distractors that come against our identity and what we're supposed to be about and the things that we're supposed to do, then we have to have some sense of conviction, some sense of identity, some sense of connection, some sense of heritage. It's kind of funny where my mind just went when you said about distractors, because I think about, you know, the attributes that we have on the inside of all of us. So like I think of the parts of me that are that are good. And like in those things I see God's purpose. I see one, how God created me as a human being in in the good sense and how his he's continually working on the inside. But then I see these other things which you could say are distractions, things that are not depending on how you define it in the will of God because people define that differently. But it's like I see, I see both, which is why I don't. Uh, okay, I'm losing my train of thought. A little on confused that. there, yeah. Jay. <laughs> I'm going on a tangent. Sound that a bit <laughs> I didn't entirely think that train of thought through. <laughs> so back to the conversation of haters and distractions in spiritual matters. It's so easy to get distracted by haters because let's face it, in spiritual matters, people are going to hate you just because they see you as spiritual and they don't see their self as spiritual. They hate that you seem to always be the one that does the right thing. They hate you because you're the one that's talking about God. People can hate you because you're having a godly conversation. Absolutely. You know, they can hate you because you seem to be the one that is always having abundance and they're always having lack. And you say it's because, well, God is blessing me to have a abundance, and if you don't have abundance, it's because you lack godliness. I hate when people say that. <laughs> That's rewards and punishments theology. I hate it. Back to Nina's bombshell at the beginning, we have these different theologies based on, well, some people, Job himself believed God from a reward and punishment theology. His theology is if you're always doing the right thing for God, then he's going to reward you. And if you haven't done something right, he's going to punish you. So even that theology is a theology that some people love and a theology that some people hate. hmm, I'm somewhere in the middle with that because... Many of the circles that I've come from, especially the very, you know, Pentecostal, they'll definitely believe very strongly in that. But I've had enough experiences and talked to enough people to come to a belief that while that can happen, I do think that for sure God can bless you, you know, for doing, you know, something that was good or following the right path. I don't think that if something bad happens to you, it's because God is displeased with you. It's a lot of murders out here winning right now. Yeah. And the reason, one of the reasons I believe that because of what we talked about in our previous podcast is because the difficult things, the bad things that happen, as bad as they can be, can also be amazing opportunities to learn and to grow. Yes, to, to they gain, can be. To they gain something be. out of it. So when we say, you know, about bad things happening to good people, 
Yes, that's a good book. Yeah. It's like, I don't see that always as something that they did that displeased God. I see that as something potentially that can be learned from. But that's a very hardcore theology. And I just, you guys put me in the mind. There is nothing new under the sun. So whereas before was a reward and punishment theology or perspective of how they saw God. Today, it is just named the prosperity theology, where you will be prosperous as long as you're following God and doing all the things that God wants. There's nothing new under the sun. It's just that we rename it and we make it something else. Well, what about the people that do that, but then they feel deprived? What do you mean? Like they feel like they never live. If nothing, if they don't get rewards and they did all this following God, then they feel like they lost out or they missed out on something or. Well, that's then getting into the theology, I think, of having a hard life now, but waiting for the reward in eternity, which I know a lot of people don't like. And and Jesus, okay. he said that here in this world, you will have give you life and life abundant. <laughs> and you will have houses and you will have these things because one of the disciples asked him that very question. Do we have to wait until then? And he says, no, you know, you can have this now. Well, then that's the other thing, too. Then when we talk about, you know, doing all these things for God and bad things still happen, then it's talking about like, OK, now it becomes a matter of what is your mentality? Because like we're going to have bad things happen to us and good things. So what is your mentality going to be in the midst of it? I don't know. I've seen a lot of really good people and a lot of people who like really serve God and get smacked with a lot of things. But well, that's not constant, though, either. Like neither neither end of that spectrum to me is a constant in those people's lives. That's why you take the good with the bad. Like <laughs> You know, what just came in my mind. And this is totally taking this a whole nother Here way. You go with your distractions. <laughs> well, how crazy is it you guys that the people on the side of God who are prospering hate the people on the other side of God who aren't because they are poor representatives of godliness and how the people who aren't prospering or who may be in God or not God hate the people who are and are prospering and so in this crazy scheme of religion we become these haters of one another because of the positions that we see ourselves in and how it may reflect or not reflect our own godliness or someone else's or our lot in life what pops into my head with that is that proverb that says better to be a better to be a poor wise person than a rich fool Ooh. <laughs> and that's not to say that people that have wealth are better idi- idiots i mean they got wealth so they know something <laughs> and and some and i will say i do think not in some cases because i know i'm treading on some tricky ground here that some people who are in poverty are there because they put themselves there. I don't think anybody that's in poverty want to be there. They may be there because they put themselves there, there. but they may be there because they put themselves. But that conversation goes two ways. Some people look at them and say they put themselves there, so they deserve to be there. And they're looking at them being there in a negative way that they absolutely did something to make themselves poor. But some people don't have the wisdom. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have Mm -hmm. the means. They don't have the teaching. They don't have the education. So did they put themselves there or were those things never available to them? 
for them to be there. So, right. I mean, but we mostly want to say one uh, culture wants to say that another culture is there because they want to be there. But look at all the people that are in poverty that are still in church and that are trying to follow God in all their ways. But let's look at church itself. You have the mega churches and you have the everyday churches on the on the we call them uh, corner churches. And they're serving God just as much as the ones in the mega churches are. But they're not trying to build. A, I don't I, I don't understand this mega church theology. Why number wouldn't one myself. they give community resources? I mean, that's going totally different. It was just a thought I'm throwing out there. Like, if that's the case, then why don't you start giving out community resources if you feel so strongly in teaching these people how to get there and what they need and how to think in a sense or teach them how to. I think what's the word I'm looking for reason one of the things uh, yeah thinking about that you know and why they don't hand out you know resources as much as I hate to admit it one of the things that I've heard many times is that they believe sometimes these big things that happen are because of something demonic or something evil that was there and you know that God brought judgment I've heard that many times (laughs) I think that a leader should only be as prosperous as his people and then if his people aren't prospering like he is prospering, then something is wrong. If the people are in poverty, then the leader should be right there with them. Real. If a leader is being elevated to a to a position of prosperity, then his flock or the people that are following him, the people that are being led by him, the people that are being taught by him, that they should be elevated themselves at the same sense of prosperity. Yeah, at the level. same level. At the well. same sense of timing, because otherwise something is wrong. And I think that's why, in my experience, when you talk about mega churches or like these small community churches, I prefer the small environments because in some ways they're more like family. But then when we get in and we stand on this conversation of haters and distractors and hating and distractions, people want to say that, oh, well, you're just hating on the preacher. You're just hating on the the, the accomplishments nah, that he has done. I'm hating on his bank account next to mine. It's like... <laughs> I mean, this, these are real hard conversations because I come from an era where it was up to the people to make the pastor look good, you know, and it was a competition thing. And so even in spiritual matters, we find haters and distractors and we find distractions based on competition. And are we supposed to be competing with one another in spiritual matters? Or are we supposed to be assisting one another? Even that was Jesus's trouble. Both are equally important. And say in what vein? competition and what was the other one that left me that building each other up yeah got you're going like with the whole iron sharpens iron thing aren't you well yeah i mean like a little healthy competition never hurt nobody but now when we're talking about vain competition that's totally different but i'm saying a little bit of come on man it's the type (laughs) i think it's it's the type that makes everybody better yeah in the long run because it fosters your own personal growth as well as you helping to foster the growth of others well is that competing with one another or is that challenging one Uh, another? that popped into my head after i said it that's crazy well, that's, that's a better term to use for it. I mean, if I'm going to challenge you, I'm not going to compete with you. I'm just going to challenge you to be to think of things in a different way or to do things in a different way. If I'm going to compete with you, I'm never going to give you wisdom or knowledge to, to do better or to 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 act better. Yeah, because competing is all, about, is all about beating it's, the other person. All, absolutely. Yeah. OK, I'll give you that one. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. you. Because these are the things that make us know, are we being haters of someone? Are we being haters within a spiritual realm? Or are we being like Jesus? People might want to say, well, Jesus was hating on the Jewish church. Was he hating on it? Or was he trying to make it better? Was the Jewish church hating on him? Or were Ooh. they trying to make him better? No, they saw him as their competitor. Because they said he's going to be pulling people away from us. And that's how we see it today in the, in the church environment today. Question? what what is it spiritually in the sense in that sense uh when somebody is trying to tell you something to maybe better you or point out something that maybe is lessening you and then because you're not ready to deal with it or you're defensive or whatever then you write that person off as a hater instead of well you know what i mean then that comes back to how many people are telling you the same thing that's true Saddle up. Yeah, saddle up. <laughs> it's all about your willingness to be teachable and to listen. If you're not willing to hear anything, then... I'm going to throw a wrench in there because sometimes you have to be careful with that too because let's say that you're in a church environment, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody is telling you that you're off base in your thinking. But you know, because let's look at Jesus and his life himself, that whole Jewish structure was telling him, you are totally off. He could have saddled up and rode with them, or he could have said, I am sorry, but I ride a donkey and y'all ride a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, I know where I'm supposed to be. And it comes back to convictions and uh, who you know you are, or if you're going to be up to the challenge. I mean, like right now, we're looking at a major disaster that happened here in the United States in this year, 2017. We've had quite a few of them, uh, starting with who got elected president, but I'm not going to say anything. So that's not a natural disaster. <laughs> that's a natural, that is not natural. That is an unnatural disaster. <laughs> an unnatural disaster. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the natural one, which is the weather. We just had, we're just going through Hurricane Harvey. And so here we have major cultural differences of who should be in the lead and who shouldn't be and how should they be in the lead. I want to bring in Joe Olstein in the conversation because we have people that are hating on him, but we have him standing behind what he believes should have been his role. I'm one of those people that is a hater, not of Joe Olstein, but I am a hater rel of this theology that these mega churches have that they shouldn't be in the lead if anyone is going to be in the lead we always have the call we always have the question does the culture lead the church or does the church lead the culture that's always a major question so when we have these major disasters who should be the first ones we're hearing from should it be the churches that we're hearing from that says we're opening up our doors whether they're small or big and anyone that needs to come in here the church is open because you don't really need someone to be there you just need to have shelter for these people mm -hmm. and so should it be the church that steps out in the lead or should they just sit back I can keep waiting for the government and all the other nonprofit organizations. That's my problem that I have with the concept of Joel Osteen. Well, one of the statements was if they would have asked us to become a shelter early on, we would have prepared for it. Do we wait to be asked? Why you got to prepare? You got like 50 yeah. millions and millions and millions that, of dollars. That sounds like an, that's an excuse. And this is the excuse that we have. And so this is why when we get challenged, are we getting challenged by a hater with an invalid point? Or are we getting challenged by a, not a competitor, but by a challenger that says, wait a minute, my love inside of me, which is my theology that I'm supposed to be living out, tells me that there should be a different answer, a different response. I'm always curious to like to wonder about 
why it was that they didn't do any preparation, why they waited until all of this stuff happened and then this backlash. Absolutely. I mean, all I'm yeah. saying is I don't see him floating down the river. <laughs> He's living so. in a $10.5 million house. house. Mm-hmm. I know. He has a church that is worth more than that. Tell me why in your sense of materialism and prosperity, we talked you about this. You have people in your house. Forget the church. I, I, try, I, I try to figure it out. You know? It makes me wonder too, like to look back. I don't like I said earlier. I don't know a whole lot about Joel Olstein. I know of him. I'm curious about like how he started because I keep thinking of like what they say about you know about how absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like wondering like where did he start? Like where his mentality was when he first began his ministry, and now where it is as he's had so much success. Because I wonder if there's been such a shift. It it why does it matter is a good question, but it but it does excuse me, but it does matter because he is an offshoot of his father's ministry. So if you're going to be an offshoot of your father's ministry, you should be building better. You should be building better spiritually, not bigger materially. You should be building better, building up other people to be where you yourself have landed because of your heritage. And all of us is supposed to have this heritage of God in us. That's where why we I say, why does it matter? I mean, spiritually, you should have been open doors at your however many million dollar compound and in your church. Yeah, in a practical sense, like it, it in the immediate sense, it doesn't matter. But, you know... I'm always curious about underlying motivations and and how things got to be where they came, where they were so that like maybe in the future wondering how and I, what can we do about it. I guess I say why does it matter cuz at this point you've already showed your hand. You showed your hand or your teeth? Both. <laughs> you, <laughs> you showed, showed a lot your, of teeth when you said that statement. <laughs> you showed your hand or your heart? All of it. You showed your hand or your mindset? That too. You've showed your hand or you've shown your godliness. You should you showed <laughs> your core. You, <laughs> you showed who you are. Yeah, yes, for real, yeah. For real. I, I agree. I absolutely I just have to share agree. this little tweet with you guys. Damn. If you're a Christian more outright I can't even read, more outraged by people criticizing Joel Osteen than by Osteen this week, you may need to rethink your priorities. In other words, if you're more mad about the people that have all this to say about him than him. <laughs> Well, that's the same concept at the national level. So it's the same concept at the spiritual level. It's the same concept of thinking. If you're more outraged by uh, the people criticizing him by the actual acts of him, then maybe you need to reevaluate yourself because it just doesn't make any sense. My other thought to this whole conversation which I totally it just lost. Left your head. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. You is, the wheels came off. No. Is this a distraction to uh, the real question of where does the church belong in these hard times? Where does the church belong in these difficult times? Does the church belong in the format of being a hater or a distraction? Or does the church belong in the forefront and being a leader? And I think that the church is failing us as a people that we it is becoming a distraction rather than a leader. It is becoming something that we hate upon rather than something that we can love. And the reality of it is really, is he the only pastor that didn't open his doors? Or is he just the only one under fire? Or have the other ones done it so that they're not under fire, but they're not looking for the the accolades. Mm. They're not looking for the crowds to say, 
job well done, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just going on about their business and they're doing it. And that's another point, too. Like, the church can open its doors, but why is it opening its doors? Is it for its own self-promotion to puff itself up? Or is it genuinely because the people say, hey, this is what we should do. This is what is right. And we're not looking for any We're not approval. looking for new members. Yeah. That, that's the bottom line. We're not looking for new members so that we can then further the coffers of the church, further the coffers of the pastor's pocket. Some people do it for that reason alone. Now, will Joe Osteen, will he lose members or will he gain members? Sorry, guys. I'm going through these Joel Osteen <laughs> memes, and they got a picture of Mary and Joseph saying, sir, we've traveled a long way to give birth. Do you have any room at your inn? And then they got a picture of him, and it says innkeeper. <laughs> these are real things, and it isn't Woo. just Joel Osteen. It is the church. How many people will not go to the church for those reasons? Because when they do go to the church, unless you are a member, you can't get your needs met. If you are a member, you can't get your needs met a lot of times. So... So it begs the question of, is this a larger spiritual issue? Is it just people hating on the church or are these just things that are distracting the church? Because some people will say this is distracting the church from its larger mission, which is to save the world versus to help souls living in the world. Which one is it, you guys? How are you saving the world if you're not saving the world? Well, it just hit me of how ironic it is. And I think I had heard this and how... You know, we say ideally the church is supposed to be the light, you know, in the darkness, the one reaching out. And we think like the church is supposed to be the one that calls out the world to better living. The irony is right now it's the world that's calling out the church because it's so funny. It's like, you know, you think the church should know their Bible, what they believe and how they should act better. And the world, which supposedly doesn't know it as well, and they're the ones that need saving. They're the ones who are often calling out the church and, hey, isn't this what you believe? Why are you not standing for it? I always wonder why the church always lands on the wrong side of social issues. Well, the church, of course, would argue that the social issues are wrong, but obviously that argument isn't working. Was the social issue, yeah, wrong in this case? Was it not because they, even if it wasn't their flock, it was in their community? I just, it boggles my mind. What other meme did you see? <laughs> They're just killing him. Why did Noah take the animals on the ark? Eight-year-old. Because Twitter shamed him into being a good Christian. (laughs) Because what? Twitter shamed him into being a good Christian. I guess I don't get that one. Yeah. It went over your head. (laughs) Because first it was, why didn't Noah take the... Why did Noah take the animals on the ark? That was Joel Osteen. And the eight-year-old response was, because Twitter shamed him into being a good Christian. Oh. So Twitter shame. You're still not getting it. It's okay, Kay. <laughs> Twitter and Noah just don't go together in my mind. <laughs> Noah is really Joel in this scenario. Well, Noah isn't Joel in this scenario because Noel did take the animals on the ark. <laughs> it's, is it still? You're still. <laughs> well, you're going Noah, Noah took the animals on the ark. It's okay, Kay. We're going to move on. That was a real good distraction. So anyway, in other news. And really, Noah was uh, hated upon when he was building the ark. It's okay, Kay. Oh. Just move on, Kay. You got distracted. Move uh, on. Real, you're just there like, oh, man. I mean, I She's guess those so two just don't. They, yeah, they, just... because they have to, it, it has to make sense if it's going to jive for me. I mean, Noah was hated by the it people was just at the someone time being smart like joel olstein is the one asking the question and somebody's responding to be smart to him okay 
It's okay. It's okay, Kay. It's okay. <laughs> if you say so. If I was an eight-year-old then at that time and Joe Osteen asked a question, you know what I would have answered as an eight-year-old? Because Noah listened to God. <laughs> I mean, he did. He took the animals on the art. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, doesn't isn't that more logical coming from an eight year old? Eight year olds are very logical thinkers. You're missing the whole point of this. (laughs) All right. Even in spiritual conversations, it's difficult when you're dealing with the conversation of who are the real haters. Joel Osteen may be in a position where he's saying the real haters are you all. I'm not a hater here and I shouldn't be hated upon. I have to be led by the spirit of God. And God didn't lead me to open my doors until this time. I mean, if I'm going to be Joel Osteen. Did God really lead him? Okay, so I'm going to throw a wrench in that. If he really felt like God didn't lead him, then after the criticism, he would have kept them doors shut and been like, not my issue, not my problem. God ain't leading me there. Take that and put it in your pipe and go on with your life. If I would have been Joe Osteen, I would have said, see, your timing in God is not my timing in God. And it wasn't until this time that the Lord told me now is the time to open the doors. No, bro. (laughs) God didn't tell you that, bro. (laughs) And this is where spiritual matters come into play. You look like you is just... Come on, well, this is where spiritual matters come into play because pastors and leaders will tell you, I have to be led by God, not by what the community or what other people tell me I should be doing. So, then, so Rel, then, let me re-rose mine. So then I should feel led by God to bring tithing and offering. I should feel led by God to uh, what else? You got that look. I'm just trying to bring it out. He's trying to be tight-lipped. Just nope. Uh, It's the same sense of the government. It's the same sense of people having an argument. Should that mayor have evacuated Houston before he did start doing smaller evacuations? Should he have done a massive evacuation at the very beginning? So it's the argument of hindsight and how we should do things. And let's face it, even though we want to consider ourselves as spiritual creatures and we want to consider ourselves always is being spiritually minded we still are human beings we still have to address our own flaws or our own inadequacies of where we are and how we don't always hear perfectly from God and how we don't always act perfectly with one another and that is where you have to deal with is this a real hater or was Joe Osteen really challenged but the important thing in this matter is did he come up to the challenge did he eventually meet the challenge or was it too late? Please answer, oh, Ralph. Well, did he? Well, I want to hear from you. Did he meet the challenge, or was he too late? And so, it, so he didn't really meet it. He only failed to public scrutiny. I'm trying to figure out why it took people this long to figure out that he's not what he said he was. Sometimes that's what happens when disaster (laughs) hits us or when a trauma or tragedy or situation occurs. And that really is it. That's when the real testing comes. Who are you really? Is everything that you espouse to be who you really are? And guess what? Job had that same test rail when Satan went up and said, God said, well, where you been? He says, walking to and from in the earth. God said, well, have you looked at my servant Job? Because Job is the one that is serving me. Job does everything good. And then Satan said to him, but that's because you have this hedge of protection around Job. If you let me touch him, then I'll bet you he's not going to serve you. So in the same situation, 
situation came this test to 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 Joel Osteen. Let me touch him. Let me bring him down a notch in his fame and in his glory. Let's see who he's really going to be. Well, so then Joel he might have failed at first, but when he got tested, then he said, "Okay, God, I'm I, I might have blown it at first, but now this is who I really am going to be." Because we all blow it sometimes. What yeah. do you say, Ralph? No. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't fly. Why not? If he would have kept his doors closed, then then that's then. And let me just throw in there that according to him, his doors were never closed. They were just waiting for the right time. Okay. Well, <laughs> he's just having none of it. I'm just not there yet in my life. I'm just not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think that we all can be pressured to believe that we are who we think we are until we are challenged really to to say who am i really and every challenge of life allows us to see are we going to expand ourselves and who we are and what we are and what we're supposed to be about or are we going to stay at one level i mean i like to be at his level <laughs> but maybe I, <laughs> but maybe i wouldn't be because look how self-centered and how that makes you think because sometimes you can have all the things in the world, but it makes you forget about what others don't have. It makes you forget about the needs of the of the of the world around you because you're so used to being cushioned in by what you have. Is it the fault of Joel Osteen or is it the fault of his church? Should his church members, those that are in staff positions, those that are in paid positions, should they have been thinking along with him? Should I wonder if they had any type of assembly among them before this hurricane hit? Well, that's the question that I was. Go ahead, Ralph. I think you got to look at the preacher first. Um, once you yourself can identify what kind of preacher you're dealing with then you can identify what a staff members are. <laughs> so you're saying it's up to the leader to lead even his staff. It should have been up to the leader to set the tone, set the pace, and say what should have, should not have been done. Yeah, I mean, the person cleaning the church can't say I'm open the doors for the people if the guy who owns the church don't want the doors open. I'm not going to say it was bad timing. I'm just going to say that it was bad it didn't leadership. involve him getting any money, so I'm not going to open these doors for you guys. The thing I had wondered with that was with a church that big, you're basically almost looking at an organization like a business. So I actually had this question running in my head earlier. I was like, was it him that made the decision or was there pressure? Like, Because there almost has to be a church board or some type of advisory leadership or was it them that made the decision? Like what level of like connection was there between the two because it is possible maybe that he wanted to do it but he was overruled by his own board i mean you'd think being the pastor and the leader like he'd have the ability to veto that but i don't know well because every church is internally set up differently when you have like a a methodist church or a presbyterian church they are run by boards they're not run by the pastor it is the board that comes together and decides it and they can overrule a pastor i don't know the type of church that joe osteen has and where that direction or where the agreement comes from from how something is done because a lot of times the pastor even has to go to the missionary board or has to go to the benevolence board. Quite unfortunate that that is what it's reduced to. The fact that the church is a business and not <laughs> what it's supposed to be. 
I have to agree with you that it is quite unfortunate that the church is a business and it isn't what it's supposed to be, which is a healer of the people and a bridger uh, for the gaps. The sad part is that that is literally what this argument has come down to. This man's money, the fact that the church is a business and why he didn't open his doors. It shouldn't even be an issue or a question. Yes, the funny thing I think about that so often, like if he had opened his doors, there would have still been people criticizing him because that happens so often. No matter what course you choose, there's some people going to be criticizing you for that choice. Here's the fact of the matter. Okay, so let's say all of that really did take place and he just couldn't open his church. I still have not seen this man on no boat out here helping nobody out in them streets of Houston. So either way... What are we really arguing about? Or what are we really even talking about? I don't see you out here. You on the news still dressed in a suit. You ain't not open for commenting because you're out here actually being an aide in in the thick of it. Where do you stand? Period. End of story. Like you're available for commenting. (laughs) I have no answer to that. (laughs) You available for the news outlet. You available to give a response. Like if it was really real, you wouldn't even be available. They wouldn't be able to find you because you'd be out here in a boat somewhere helping these people get their lives back in order Mm. as an individual, period. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Wrong? Y'all all all pregnant pause? I'm trying not to comment on this because I'm just not the finest. I'm just not. But this is what the real conversation is about and people are having it <laughs> and people are afraid to comment or they think that their comments are going to be too harsh. And someone might say right now what Nina just said was a little bit too harsh. Maybe he has some physical ailments or some physical conditions that he cannot be out there. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not dizzy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. So where's your family? You got all the money in the world. Like you got all the medical. You got everything. Go ahead. Just go ahead. (laughs) Just load your machine gun and just (laughs) massacre. Because (laughs) I think that this is where religion gets tricky. A guy that will do everything under the sun for you on Sunday but won't do everything under the sun for you when you're stuck in some world disaster is kind of hard to get over. Could he open the doors? Yeah, probably he could have. Should he have? Yes, he probably should have. But he didn't. So now, is he going to lose any money or members over this? No, he won't. But he's still going to be on TV <laughs> at ten o'clock every night on a uh, free form. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I don't. I mean, at this point, was he wrong? Yeah, but that doesn't really stop who he is and what he does. Well, and that becomes a very serious question because. When your members themselves are still going to follow you, they're going to still uphold you. They're not going to consider themselves as fair weather friends or fair weather members. They're going to say, "Okay, it wasn't just him that made a mistake. It was all of us. So now let's let's fix it. And so the issue becomes, do we continue to slam him because he made a bad decision or do we continue to lift him up? And do we continue to follow him because it got fixed? I don't think that. So you don't think that there was nothing that he could have did that would have fixed it? So he was danged if he did or danged if he didn't? Because that's why you're doing damage control. I mean, if he would have opened his doors, I don't think we would have been at this problem. But he didn't open his doors. Now he has to answer for the fact of why didn't he open his doors. 
you can't say he didn't have enough room or he didn't have enough staff. He has more than enough room for everybody that needed a place to go. So I guess that's what everyone's waiting to hear, I guess. I don't follow this, why he didn't open his doors. Yeah, I just think that uh, the Joe Olstein in itself is a is an eye-opener for those that call themselves Christians as an eye-opener for the church, the larger church. It's an eye-opener to say, who are we going to be? Are we going to be in the forefront of leading? Are we going to be in the forefront of answering the, the call? Are we going to be uh, the ones that are made to do it? Like the government is made to do things. Yeah, I mean, you asked a good question in the sense of, okay, did he write it? Like, okay, but now he did it. Okay, unfortunately, it took all of that, though, for it to happen. But I think that you make a valid point, and I go off of it's never too late to turn around. <laughs> yeah, when you find yourself wrong, stop, turn around, make a difference. And maybe he saw that he was wrong, and you know. But and, I think, I think where that gets tricky is being a public figure and being somebody that does have that money. Is let's face it, you're a brand. You have a brand to save. So yeah, you might have righted that wrong, but look at what it took for you to do that you had to save face for that brand so that those people can still show up. Them 17,000 people can still show up every Sunday and you can still be on TV at 10 o'clock every night. But well, <laughs> I think that that begs the question that Rel asked and it's very good. Are you who you say you are? So are you a brand or are you a, a disciple? Mm. Therefore, it comes the question, who are you? Who are we in our Christianity? Who are we in our walk? Who are we when we're building these churches? Who are we when we're going to be a part of them? And who are we when we're not a part of them? Are we going to be a brand or are we going to be disciples? Because it's easy to be one or the other, whether you're single or whether you're part of a group, whether you're the leader of it or a follower. Uh, and I do agree with Rel that as a leader, you should be leading. And even when you have a board, you should have enough influence over that board that says, this is the way that we're going to go. You have me as a leader for a reason. And so I don't need your approval in this. I'd like to have it, but this is what we need to do. And even like you said, he himself, I'm going to open these doors myself. I'm going to be here. Or, you know, I can open up my home. I can go out there and I can say, well, we're not going to open up the church. Then let's give our resources. Sources. Let's put our dollars or our money oh, then where it I needs was just to about be. About to say, let's face it, he didn't hand around the collection basket for relief funds beforehand either. So I don't know what he did. <laughs> if I would have, I would have been like, while I'm over here open for commenting, I would have been like, well, no, we didn't open our doors, but prior to the storm, we did collect funds, and this is the money that we're about to donate to whatever foundation to get these people going. Like, none of that, bro. You did nothing. I haven't seen all that of this. That would have been so. my first line of defense. Common sense. But then someone would have critiqued him for that, saying, yes, you always are collecting funds. Yes, you didn't collect it specifically for this. You just have it to give. But, I mean, still, give it to where you want to give it. That's what I was saying, danged if you do, danged if you don't. Go ahead, Rail. <laughs> a lot of people are critiquing a lot of things, but everybody be hating. Nobody. <laughs> but nobody. I, I don't understand. I just, I don't know. I think. I, I think that we all have our part to do. You know, we're not in Houston. We're not a part of it. 
but each one of us, like Joe Osteen himself, whether we call ourselves a part of the church as far as a religious establishment or whether we call ourselves the church because we're all supposed to be the church as individuals, what is our part in it? Did we check on someone? Did we give dollars to anyone? Did we call and say, what can I do for you? What do you need? Did we ask anyone, do you have a family member or do you have a friend there? You know, how are they doing? Do they need anything? So we look at the the larger, bigger pictures, but what are we ourselves doing? And that is the hardest part of being uh, in the position of talking about haters or distractors and what are we hating on? And does it become our own distraction or are we going to do something ourselves because sometimes it's so much easy to be hating so much on the larger thing that we don't even do something ourselves because we say well they have the money they have the resources they're not doing anything so therefore it's not my responsibility either it's kind of like the thought that i had in my head i was like all right well all of you t- uh, all of you argue about who should have done something who didn't do anything you know while you all you know pick these fights nitpick each other i'm like how about I actually go out and do something? Yeah. I've even had, I mean, just in a small sense, I've had that at work. It's like, while other people backbite each other, you know, this guy didn't do this or do that. I'm like, all right, well, you guys are wasting time complaining about each other. I'm going to keep working and get stuff done. I mean, sometimes that's the only mentality I can have because the only one you can influence is you. Otherwise, you're going to get better. Those are the hard conversations that we have, even though it doesn't make what the person is doing any less evil. You know, it doesn't make it any I mean, easier of well, a pill yeah. to swallow. You shouldn't be a hypocrite. <laughs> like, you can't be yeah. fussing at him when you're sitting there doing the same thing. That's Because all of us have something pointless. to give. And, and Jesus made that point when he pointed out the widow who gave out of her poverty. He said that she gave more than anyone because she gave out of her poverty when the other people were given out of their riches. So he made that very point when he showed that all of us, right, and all of us have something. We all have something to give even when we give our our lip service, which I'm going to give my lip service, but still even in my lip service, I still have something to give because I do disagree with the philosophy of the mega churches that if you have a pastor that's doing so well, he's making millions and millions. And most of their thought process is I'm not making it off of the church. I'm selling books. I'm making tapes. So my money isn't coming from, but it's still coming from the same people who are believing you for the same spiritualism that you possess inside the church. So yeah, then books wouldn't be selling if people weren't buying them. So, OK, you doing all that. But still, I'd like to thank my fans and all the little people I had to step on to get here. I mean, how much is enough? I think that it's more than enough if you can't give it. If you can't give it away, you have too much. I mean, if you can't, if you're going to keep building and building and squandering and squandering, you know, and then when it comes time to give some of it away, you can't. When it comes time to open your doors, you can't. Then you have too much. Yeah, you definitely have a, a problem there. So what is the problem that you have, Jay? Is well, it a- By that point, you've become too attached to the money. Mm. You would think when you have that much money, I mean, like you said, giving away millions is like, that's nothing for somebody like that. And yet, if you still can't do it, it's not just an issue, you know, of being stingy with handing out money. Now, it's like you're just you're just hoarding it or something. I mean... Whatever the mentality is that's going on in that situation, if if you got all that money and you're not willing to hand out any of it, yeah. I... So do you think people are being too harsh on Joe Osteen? No. 
Do you think people were being too harsh on Joe Olstein? I'm trying not to really speak on this subject because I, I would be being, I don't biased. know. Yeah, I would be being biased. Do you think people are being too harsh on Joe Olstein? I'm inclined to say yes, but I really wish I had an opportunity to hear from him his story. And then I could make a better, kind of like what you said, Raul. I'd rather make a, an informed decision based on knowing all sides of the picture. I am biased, and I don't think that the people are being too harsh on Joe Olstein because I think that Joe Olstein represents the larger uh, diseased mindset and the larger diseased heart of the church. I am biased because I think that the church should be leaders in the world. They should not be waiting for culture to say which way it should go. They should be leading the culture and saying that whether the government, whether anyone else steps out there out of our poverty or out of our prosperity we are going to take the lead and we are going to show what love looks like we are going to show what jesus said and what god said even before jesus got on the scene in the book of isaiah are you going to help the widow are you going to help the poor are you going to help the fatherless are you going to help those that are oppressed because you are the ones that are taking from them and you're taking from them either from your own gain or for the benefit of all of them so i am going to put my bias out there i don't think that they're being too harsh i think that the world itself is dealing with they're making it people not just Joel Osteen but people in general as Christians or as the religions of the world answer to their shiggity to their what they're shiggity they're shiggity yes the church has shiggity the church has shiggity <laughs> are you being a hater no oh my the church has shiggity I'm being, I'm being factual <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say I'm being facetious we all have shiggity and how do we wipe up the shiggity of the church then <laughs> I don't know but they need a huge wet wipe at this point <laughs> they need a whippity wipe <laughs> a whippity wipe I like that word in, love, in spiritual matters a whippity wipe so well I will profess and put my bias on the sleeve and I am the church I I am a member of the church. I am the church. And I do believe that the church at large should be answering these disasters. I think that the church should be asked answering the disaster of the of the government at the leadership level. We should be saying what leadership should look like, not just for our own nationalism, but for the world, the bigger world. I stick to my gun, Young. I don't see no boats out here with Joel Osteen's names on them. Riding around getting people. Shoot, if I was that, I'd have my name out there. You, It ain't like you humble at this point because you're everywhere anyway. So, I mean, hey, that's just me. <laughs> well, I go to we can't be so spiritually minded. There were no earthly good. And we have to be earthly good if we are going to say that we are spiritually minded at all. I am Kay. I am Jay. I'm Nina. And I'm Darrell. Peace out. Bye, y'all. Thank you for plugging into Spiritual Matters. To continue the conversation, join us at www.bwmradio.com. There you will find our email, Twitter, and Facebook links. Also, you can check out our sibling podcast, Difficult Matters and Love Matters. Our bodies turn to dust, but our spirits live forever. We encourage you to pay attention to the spiritual matters.